So when my doctor said, hey, we're going to start making sleep appliances, I was scared. I didn't know what type of impressions to take. I didn't know what the labs needed. I didn't know how to tell my patients, hey, you know, I, this is your treatment plan. It costs X amount of dollars for this thing you put in your mouth. Like I had to learn why it was important to bring the mandible forward. Um, but yeah, it was it was because I knew a lot of it was going to fall on me. And I was scared because you know what? We do a lot of stuff in the practice already between maintaining equipment and making sure things aren't expired and keeping up with sterilization and working rooms and seating patients and XXXXX. And now I have to learn one more thing on top of that, but just get get past that uncomfortable, you know, because they say growth happens outside the comfort zone. And the minute you just, you realize that I am more valuable to my doctor the more I know and the more I do, uh, it's the most rewarding thing ever. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Irreplaceable Dental Assistant. And as usual, I have a treat for you. This treat is coming all the way from Montana and her name is Rhonda Holman. Welcome, Rhonda. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to, you know, I, you know I've been a dental assistant for 24 years, so um, I'm now just coming into this whole realization that, you know, our voice matters and dental assistants have a place in the world and we didn't have represent representation up until now. So um, being here, sharing this time with you in the space of a dental assistant makes my heart full. <laughs> well, it makes our heart full as well, because I've been watching you from a distance and you are fantastic. You are a walking wealth of knowledge <laughs> and you do it so seamlessly. So I had to come and pick your brain today. So you say you've been um, a dental assistant for 24 years, but share a little bit more about your journey for our guests to, to kind of get a feel for who you are. Absolutely. So the year was 1999. Um, I had graduated high school and I wasn't quite ready for college. Um, so I took this test and the military to see like, if I was to join the United States Air Force, you know, what kind of job would I be an applicant for? And so I tested really high and they said, hey, you can have anything in medical you want. Okay. Just tell us what department you want to work on. <laughs> you know, what part of the body? And I said, teeth, you know, um, I was a recovering mouth breather um, just in the last five years. But before that, I had rampant primary decay. I was an ortho for three years. <laughs> I mean, I, I had so many people in my mouth before I was 16. Like, it was like a second home to me going to the dentist. So I said, dentistry, I want to be a dental assistant. I said, will you train me to do that? And they said, yes. And then I said, will you pay for college too? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, well then I will be yours. <laughs> so I did, I went, I went to the Air Force. Um, I did four years and it was amazing. Like they trained me, um, I, I got to do like a residency, almost like a dentist does. It was really cool. I went through like oral surgery. I went to PROS, um, I went to Perio, I went to General. And then I finally, like towards the end of my four years, ended up as a, like it's called a profi tech. So it's like the military's version of a hygienist. 
Uh, so it was really neat. So I got to, you know, be a hygienist essentially for a year and a half. And then I got out of the military and uh, I happened to fall in love with a soldier or an airman. I guess you'd call him an airman. He was a pilot. And uh, I got to follow him around the country for 16 years after that. So every three years, Uncle Sam moves you to a different base typically. Yeah. And uh, it was really you know, at first I was like, oh, this is going to look so bad on my resume. <laughs> like, it's going to make me look like I quit jobs every three years and like I'm not reliable. <laughs> and I don't think any dentist would hire me. But luckily, all the dentists that I was able to work with, they understood, you know, being military, yeah. I, I had a finite time and, and it was it was it was magical. Like, if you're talented enough, if you're knowledgeable enough, your dentist will hire you even knowing you have an expiration date like that's to me was the most fascinating thing ever because I kept thinking, well, if I was a dentist, there's no way I'd hire a dental assistant knowing she's going to leave in three years. Um, so I got really, really, really lucky. And it was a, ble a blessing because I got to work for so many different types of dentists, not necessarily like specialties, but I, I, I kind of gravitated towards general dentistry. I'd like the, I like the, yeah, there's so much to do is a variety, right? And so, but everybody's so different. You know, I work for male dentists, female dentists, big hands, little hands. Um, <laughs> I, I work for, you know, dentists who, you know, had good senses of humor, some who didn't. I had, you know, ones who are really attention to detail, others who just like threw a filling in, didn't care about anatomy. So it was really cool. And it helped my perspective, like of dentistry in general, really um, broadened. I, I really like that. And, and so, it gave me advantage, an advantage to help other dental assistants who yeah. maybe don't have that kind of exposure. Right, right. Because you probably had more experience moving around and dealing with different cultures and different offices than the average dental assistant. So there's not likely to be any situation that you have not experienced firsthand. Am I right, Rhonda? <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen it all. <laughs> the good, the bad, ugly, all of it. <laughs> but I noticed that you have gravitated towards a particular type of dentistry. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so my husband retired um, and we, we retired in the state of Montana and I worked for a general dentist. And when we got together about eight years ago, um, which is really neat because it's like the longest I've worked anywhere. <laughs> it's really cool. Like uh, I never experienced this part of dentistry with my doctor, um, just the longevity factor. It was, so we were general dentist. She had like a emphasis on facially generated treatment planning. So we worked a lot with Spear and we did a lot of like really big cosmetic cases. Right. And it came down to a place of like, do we want to be known for our cosmetic work mm -hmm. or do we want to change lives by being functional dentist mm -hmm. and, and providing that service? Like it's not just about how it looks, it's how does it function? How does this dentistry affect the human being underneath the teeth? Right. And uh, and it's been magical. You know, my my dentist and I have been training for years now in airway health. And uh, it's really neat because they actually changed our logo logo into uh, integrative airway support through comprehensive dentistry. Like it's a big tongue twister, but it just it embodies what we do and who we are. And and it's it's been the most magical ride I never could have imagined I'd be on. 
Well, you look so excited to be on this ride, Rhonda. I think all my listeners are already excited and we haven't even gotten down into the nitty gritty. So tell me something. What are some common misconceptions about the connection between airway issues and dental problems that you often encounter? Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so denial for the patient is number one. Um, a lot of times when we're looking at signs and symptoms, we'll correlate the medical history. Um, yeah. Big red flags for us are high blood pressure, uh, yep. diabetes type 2, mm-hmm. uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, if we see that, we automatically look at the symptoms. And then we're like, okay, well, let's look in your mouth for signs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to try and tell someone, it's, it's really because human beings don't like to hear something's wrong with them. And I think that's you know why a lot of them don't like dentistry in general. I usually say there's three reasons people don't like coming to the dentist. Uh, reason number one is they're laying down and they're kind of like in a uh, a position where they don't have the advantage. You know, they have to just trust you're not going to hurt them while they're laying down and, and vulnerable. I think number two is we typically tell them something's wrong, even if it doesn't hurt. <laughs> you're like, oh, you got a crack in number 30. Like, whoop. Uh, and they're like, really? And then three, we tell them, oh, I need a thousand dollars to put a, a crown on that tooth. Um, that doesn't actually hurt you, um, right. uh, but we guarantee you when it's not going to break. So it's like a psychology part of it. And so when we tell people, hey, there's some signs in your mouth that you might be struggling to breathe at night. Uh, I can tell you all the things that are wrong. I can go through all the photos with the doctor and and show you a comprehensive treatment plan on how to restore all this stuff in your mouth that's damaged but how about we figure out what happened right how did you get this place to where you're breaking front teeth and you're cracking your back teeth and you have extra bone growing on your lower jaw or like you have you know crepitus in the joints or if you have you know abstractions or erosion and all of it's like it i think it's really we're actually changing the tide for these people because it gives them hope to say okay yes it sucks to be told something's wrong yes it sucks that i have to pay for something that doesn't hurt but wouldn't it be nice to figure out why it happened so that if i do invest in my oral health and get everything built up the way it used to be and i don't have to keep repeating this cycle of breaking things without knowing why well you hit the nail on the head Rhonda, because most times we are symptom driven rather than getting to the source of the problem. And that's just how, that, that's how we've been socialized with everything across the border. So to say to someone, hey, is this happening, this happening, this happening? Because it may be from this one thing. And if we can address this one thing, it would solve that, that fix this. And by the way, get that straightened out so yeah i fully get it and it is so encouraging to be speaking to someone who gets it as well and i think a lot of times trust is so important Rhonda. so you and your dentist probably have developed relationships to the point that even if people don't quite feel symptomatic they trust that if you're saying this is a challenge, then it may really be a challenge. Sometimes afterwards, there are things that put that exclamation point on the point that you made for them to say, oh my God, what you're saying was really true. (laughs) 
It's uh, fascinating. I we had a patient in particular. She she was one of our first airway focused patients, and she came in with massive lingual tori, significant anterior wear, lots of abfractions. Um, she was cracking teeth, and um, she had se- severe migraines. You know, she said she would like on a I don't know a thirty day month. She would have migraines three weeks out of that. Yeah, they were debilitating, and she was a physical therapist, so she was like health oriented, like a super healthy human. You, you, you know, a normal doctor would be like, I don't know why you're getting migraines. Good luck with that. Like you're healthy, you're underweight, you're you're at normal weight. Uh, you eat good, you exercise, you do all these things, but no one looked at her tongue, and yes. she she had a tongue tie, and it was significantly looked like uh, atrophied from mouth breathing. And yes. so we, we got her through like the airway focus program. We have like this whole thing where we kind of dial them in. We put her in ortho so that she could develop a bite that was conducive for tongue posture. Right. And her migraines went away. See? If you understand dentist- the sort, <laughs> it makes a big difference. Oh my God, it's huge. <laughs> so Rhonda, I have another question to ask you. Based on the fact that we just touched on this tongue, what role does the tongue posture play in maintaining a healthy airway and proper dental alignment? Tell me. Well, you spoke about the fact that she, this lady had migraines and then you casually spoke about ortho and you casually spoke about the tongue. Pull it together for my listeners, please. So the tongue is the natural splint for the TMJ. Yeah. So a lot of times what people don't realize is that the teeth, the upper and the bottom teeth aren't supposed to touch except for, you know, maybe 15 minutes a day during the chew and the swallow. Right. They're not supposed to maintain contact. And if you have a floppy tongue or a tethered tongue, you know, if it's a, a tongue tie, right. it's going to keep your tongue from resting on the roof of your mouth. Right. And then you're not going to have any support for your joints. And that means that you're going to wear your teeth out prematurely. Yes. And a lot of understand that constant contact i mean they're just not designed that way mm-hmm. and there's going to be repercussions um in and the tongue it's it plays a huge role with sleep breathing because it needs to stay suction to the roof of your mouth while you sleep so that when you lay down the tongue doesn't fall back and obstruct the airway and a lot of people um they 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 go to their sleep physician or so, okay here, here's how it usually works they go to their md and say i'm tired <laughs> i'm falling asleep at stoplights I can't stay up during the day. I, I have brain fog. I can't. I can't not gain weight. Like they have tons of symptoms and signs. And then so they'll their MD will send them to their sleep physician. They'll do a sleep test, whether it's at home or in lab. And then they'll say, Oh yeah, um, you're you stop breathing 17 times an hour. So uh, here is a mask that you put on your face, and you push this little button, and it's going to pump air in and out of your face all night while you sleep, not knowing. And, and I think it's getting better. I think the sleep physicians are starting to realize that oral facial myofunctional therapy has a place when it comes to sleep disordered breathing. But you, but the, the thing is the tongue, it's, it's getting weaker and weaker every generation that's born since the industrial revolution. Yes. Human beings, we used to chew for four hours a day. I mean, all, none of our food was processed. We right. sang a lot, we hummed, we danced, we did all these things that were really good for our upper airway. Like all these things that would keep it strong so that nothing collapsed while we slept. But we're losing that with processed foods and people aren't singing like they used to. And and no one is 
there's no campaign that says, hey, how you breathe matters. Turns out when you breathe through your mouth, it makes your tongue muscles atrophy. And if the tongue muscles atrophy, then of course it's not gonna stay suctioned to the roof of your mouth while you sleep. And if it's not up there while you sleep, then it's probably gonna fall back. It's gonna not prevent your soft palate from closing in on that nasal airway. And then that's a lot of the reason with obstructive sleep apnea that people suffocate like on their own body parts and it, it doesn't have to be like that correct correct and also i would add you know if that tongue is not in the roof of your mouth just pushing on that palate to keep it nice and rounded the jaw <laughs> literally collapses and then that arch is narrowed so where's the tongue going to stay there's no space so it naturally gets pushed to the back of the throat. So we are in agreement. It's not just about how people look, but why do they look that way? What is creating that? And is that a healthy look? And what can we do? So speaking about looks now, how do you connect more visible lips to airway issues? Tell me about that, Rhonda. So um, when we have a new patient exam, we do a lot of intake. It's a two hour appointment <laughs> in my yeah. office. It's unreal how many measurements we do, but things that we can see from the front of someone's face is, um, so if you can see the whites of the eyes underneath the pupils, that usually means their face grew down and back, okay? So if you see like prominent nasal label folds, yeah. that usually means, that means like the mid face didn't grow forward all the way. So mm. it's recessed. So you have like these flaps of skin. Um, a lot of times you'll see a retronathic mandible, yes. you know, when people have what appears to be more than one chin yes. or no definition of a chin at all. Correct. And it just like it folds right into their neck. Um, we'll look at um, the smile, you know, because if you can see the buccal corridors, that means the arch has collapsed. The right. tongue wasn't the scaffolding. It didn't create this beautiful U shape. It was a full on V. <laughs> and yeah. so when you smile, you see these dark areas inside the mouth. Um, oh, I mean, you can look at the bite, you know, class two, class one, class three. I mean, just kind of understand where the tongue is. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited to see how I, ooh. And, and so like, I can look at someone's um, anatomy, like their oral anatomy and say, wow, you have an open bite. Mm. Ding, 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 possible tongue thrust. Look at the tongue, what's the tongue doing? Like, why would anybody have a space in between their front teeth? Like it has to be, there's a reason for all of this. Mm -hmm. anterior wear i mean you see it all the time their teeth are getting short in the front and like that's not normal and even just like if you were to take disclosing agent and apply it to the teeth you can see that a lot of the buildup happens in the front of the mouth and i love to tell my patients this all the time i'm like don't you find it suspicious that the easiest part of your mouth to clean which is right up front there's nothing in the way is often the dirtiest and then i say why do you think that is what would make, what would have to happen for, for the front teeth to be dirtier than the back teeth? Because I know you brush and floss and you even have one of those fancy ultrasonic toothbrushes. Yes. And, and, and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, could it be too much air in the mouth? Like, because right here, teeth have that, they have to stay wet to stay healthy. Right. They can stay healthy in a dry environment. So I, I really, I, I love that, that biofeedback with my patients saying, don't you find this suspicious? Is there a chance your lips are open a little bit more than you think they are? And why are they open? All right, is it because it's just a, a habit? Maybe you have weak lips? Is it your teeth? 
or do your teeth prevent you from having a nice normal lip seal or could you be breathing through your mouth during the day and and probably probably while you sleep there you go there you go um Rhonda, can you share a success story or case study that demonstrates that positive impact of addressing airway issues on both facial formation and dental health oh absolutely so um we at my office were ALF providers. So that's um, light wire forces. And it's a very unique type of orthodontics. <laughs> uh, so it's it's just a light wire that goes on the palate. It's got these omega loops and it's, uh, it's it works kind of with the body and not to the body like traditional brackets and, and, and bands and wires. And what's really been neat um, is my youngest patient was three years old when wow. I took impression. Like I'm hard, you know, I'm hardcore. Well, you deserve a medal for being able to take an impression. (laughs) I just want to say. (laughs) Fascinating. Like I just, I doubted myself the whole time. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get a three-year-old to let me take impressions. I had the world's smallest trays and I had all this alginate and and he just stood there like a tramp, you know, and that's years of experience. You know, I opened up the window. I said, hey, count the white cars. And I gave him a timer. I said, here's your timer, hit start. You know, you can do all these little things with psychology to actually get people right. to <laughs> adapt to what you're doing, you know, instead of reject it. Yeah. Uh, but it's been fascinating just watching this child in the last four years. His face is growing optimally. Like he breathes through his nose all the time. Like his, he's just, and, and he has siblings that weren't as fortunate. They didn't get caught in time. So they have a lot of like cranial deficiencies. Yes. But to see the little boy and I'm like, we finally, we did it. We we got to him at the optimal time because if, if they're seven years old, you're too late. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So Rhonda, how can the dental team collaborate to provide comprehensive care for patients who may be dealing with both airway and dental concerns? Uh, education. You have to learn. Uh, there's no way around this. And you have to unlearn and relearn and unlearn and relearn. And you have to do it with your doctor. You can't do this alone because I've seen so many situations because right now it's um, airway focused. Um, it's kind of like pushing towards hygienist. Hygienists seem to be like the, the pivotal part of the practice that's really starting to bring awareness to tongue posture and dysfunctional breathing. But I think when you learn you're with your doctor and you're on the same page and you really start to understand that we have an opportunity, not just to fix teeth, but to change lives beyond, beyond, you know, this, this whole like um, ego driven um, topical <laughs> issue. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. And, and just keep learning and, and no, and, and realize that as a dental assistant, my superpower in the practice is the ability to connect with my patients. I have the ability to talk to them. My dentist, she makes money drilling teeth or she makes money diagnosing. I can help her make money (laughs) by educating the patients on what their actual needs are so that they're, they're much more likely to say yes to treatment needs from their dentist if they know why they need it versus just what you need. Absolutely. When the team is of one accord, it makes a big difference. So you're hearing it from different people, maybe slightly different from, you know, different perspectives, but we're all saying the same thing, you know. And 
And also too, like um, I think there's a special relationship with patients and dental assistants in particular, just because they feel like we're more relatable. Absolutely. I don't know if it's because they know our pay bracket or if they, no, they really- I, I think no it has to be to do with the fact that you're relatable. You are the one who is going to prepare the patient while they're waiting on the doctor. You know, you're going to be very conversational. They feel relaxed. They develop T-R-U-S-T, trust. And so it makes them more open to hear what you're saying. And Rhonda, I'm pretty sure you can back me up. A good dental assistant is the one the patient will trust. So the, ta- the doctor will come in and say, well, Miss so-and-so, 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 so-and-so. The doctor leaves the room and says, Ron, do you think I should do it? <laughs> exactly. Rhonda, think about that hygienist. She's the one for me to see today. You, 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 you know, they're always going to seek your opinion once they've developed the trust in the relationship. So it's across the board. So is there one bit of advice that you wish to give dental assistance as it relates to identifying and supporting the dentist in managing patients with airway challenges? Learn, learn, learn. Learn, 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 and be willing to say yes, even if it scares you. So when my doctor said, hey, we're gonna start making sleep appliances, I was scared. I didn't know what type of impressions to take. I didn't know what the labs needed. I didn't know how to tell my patients, hey, you know, I, this is your treatment plan. It costs X amount of dollars for this thing you put in your mouth. Like I had to learn why it was important to bring the mandible forward. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cause I knew a lot of it was going to fall on me and I was scared. Cause you know what? We do a lot of stuff in the practice already between maintaining equipment and making sure things aren't expired and keeping up with sterilization and working rooms and seating patients and XXXXX. And now I have to learn one more thing on top of that. But just get get past that uncomfortable, you know, because they say growth happens outside the comfort zone. And the minute you just you realize that I am more valuable to my doctor, the more I know and the more I do, uh, it's the most rewarding thing ever. <laughs> that's that's the key, because if you get in that zone where everything is mundane, it's almost robotic what you're doing on a regular basis. It's a different quality of life versus doing something that you know is making a difference to the overall health, the shape of the face, how well this person is going to be able to function because of the amount of oxygen that person is getting on a regular basis. It's a game changer. It's a life changer. So I agree with you being open to stay on the grow, being willing to be challenged on a regular basis, being willing to step out of the box and do something different than you may have learned in dental school, dental assistant school, is key to keeping life fresh, to keeping you engaged and energized. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's the, you know, if I've been doing this 24 years and I still like it, there's something to be said about continuous learning. Absolutely, positively. <laughs> So I have a I have a million dollar question. We always end our podcast with a quote. Do you have a special one that you'd like to share with us, Miss? I do. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. 
So it's the famous Albert Einstein. And my favorite quote goes to this. The definition of a genius is taking the complex and making it simple. Oh my goodness, you are so right. You are so right. Say it again. It's worth another go. <laughs> <laughs> the definition of a genius is taking the complex and making it simple. Simple. So right, so right, so right. Rhonda, this has been such a pleasure. We have so much in common. I could speak for hours. So you know what? That means we probably need to get together for second <laughs> two at another time. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because you know what? I think dentistry is waking up to sleep disordered breathing and realizing that we are pivotal in being the gatekeepers of the airway and the more dental assistants know and the more the fact that the dental assistants know that other dental assistants know this stuff, um, it'll just be a standard practice. I mean, I think in the next 10 years, if a patient doesn't have a sleep screening or some type of home sleep testing before you know we go into a treatment plan, then the dentist is really doing a disservice to the public. I agree with you 100%. Um, doing um, an airway evaluation, screening is a routine part of my examination. So I agree with you 100%. And here's the scary part. The minute you start doing it, you realize that a majority of your patients are challenged with this, but they have no idea. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for that awesome quote. And I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And if you're a dental assistant listening to this, which I hope you are because you finally have a support network, um, go out and learn some more. YouTube's free. Talk to your doctor. Say, hey, doc, what do you want to do more of? Let's learn about it so that we like it more and we do more of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, wasn't Rhonda fabulous? Remember when she said, dental assistants have an opportunity not just to fix teeth, but to save lives? Oh my goodness, dental assistants have a superpower and that is the ability to form relationships with patients. Because once you've built a patient's trust, even if they can't, feel what you're telling them, they believe you because they've built a relationship. And we dental team members have to be willing to say yes, to step out, to do something new, to do something different. There's something to be said about being a lifelong learner. So let's commit to taking complex and making it simple. Remember what Albert Einstein said? Genius is taking the complex and making it simple. And while you're at it, remember we are the gatekeepers of the airway. This was wonderful. Life is better when we live, learn, and grow together. If you haven't subscribed, 
please do so. Remember, you can find us on our website, on YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you find us. Keep finding us. I'll see you the next time.